0: I decided to do that, it just sounded like a good thing to do, yell it! But if anybody should be doing it, it is Ian Roach, Putnam County graduate and now a freshman member of the Illinois Valley Community College men's golf team, won the NJCAA Class 2 Division 4 Regional last Thursday and Friday, headed to the national tournament in May along with the rest of the Eagles as they took second place. All the members of the Illinois Valley Community College men's golf team should be very happy. And that includes sophomore from Fieldcrest, Clay Wells, the rest are all freshmen, and Nick Murriarty, who is also from Fieldcrest, Putnam County's Ben Sear, and Beryl Valley's Trent Davini, as well as Ian Roach. And congrats to IBCC coach Sean Kennedy. Why am I saying all this about the Eagles? Because we have Ian today. Great guest as always. He was on the second episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, which was really our first real guest. On the first episode, we had equipment problems, couldn't really hear people. We were at a game and there was just so much noise because didn't have the right stuff. Learned a lot from that very first episode. And now we are on episode 121 with our good buddy Ian Roach talking about some golf and IVCC success. I am your host, Brandon Lachance. If you want to listen to the second episode or any of the other ones to this point and in the future, check them out on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Follow us on social media. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Also, any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, have a box score or a personal or coach accomplishment, something to talk about or want to get the word out, feel free to send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And since I just did the plugs, got to give one to Brian Cabelli, the man, the legend that did the beat. The intro, outro, track for Edge of Your C podcast. Big props to him doing big things as always. Episode 120 with guest LaSalle through girls tennis coach Aaron Gunther and the number one doubles team, seniors Lauren Klein and Brianna Strell. Also broke down all playoff IHSA action with girls tennis sectionals. They started Friday, continue today, Saturday. October 17th, and we also broke down the golf sectionals for boys and girls that happened Monday through Wednesday of this week, depending on where you are at. They took place at different dates and different times. We will break down the girls' tennis sectional brackets that we are interested in during episode 122, which will be tomorrow on Sunday, October 18th. Our guest for that show will be Karsh Kowalczyk, LaSalle Peru graduate who was drafted by the Dodgers has been playing in the farm system and independent leagues for quite some time now. We break down all kinds of awesomeness with him and we will continue to break down IHSA amazing playoff stuff. Hopefully things are not breaking down, but are improving for your home. Always something we see, we hear, we notice that could be fixed or repaired. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, garage additions, room additions, and full remodels. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have been in construction for over 10 years, and are willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Ulsa Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olsen Construction can also be contacted on Facebook at the Olsen Construction LLC page or via email olsenconstruction 19 at gmail.com. Before we get to Mr. Roach, Ian Roach, a lot of things we want to discuss on the national stage. Let's kick this off with some NFL. Talk about picks, wins, losses. For week five, not bad, not great. I went nine and five. Some crazy games in there. Before last week's games, I talked about the top tier that I would not be picking against. I put the Chiefs in that tier. They lost to the Raiders last week. I put the 49ers in that tier. They lost to the Dolphins last week. (sighs) I'm taking the 49ers out of that tier, and I'm kind of going to put the Tennessee Titans up there. They destroyed the Buffalo Bills, made them look like chumps, and I know they're not chumps. The Bills are a good team. But the Titans went to work, stayed undefeated, so they are moving up to that category. So now my top tier of four teams. I'm leaving the Chiefs in there. I'm going to leave them in there. going to call that a bad game. Raiders are not bad. They have a good defense, and their offense put a very, very, very big microscope, magnoscope, ultrascope, whatever kind of scopes that are really big, and you see every problem, every flaw. The Raiders offense did that to the Chiefs defense, picked them apart. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. I still think the Chiefs have so much talent. Andy Reid is one of the best coaches the NFL has ever seen. I'm leaving the Chiefs up there. So my four teams in my top tier right now that I won't pick against are the Chiefs, the Titans, the Ravens are staying up there, and the Seahawks. Packers could find themselves up there. We'll see what they do against the Bucs and how the season goes. Rams could find themselves up there. We'll see. But that's who I'm going with in my top tier of four teams that I don't want to pick against. It can change, and I really thought the 49ers were way better than that, but Dolphins handed it to them handed it to him. Here are my picks for week six. Hopefully I do a little better than nine to five. I don't like losing more than three games. I'm very ultra competitive, especially when it's just me and I got to pick the right things. The Houston Texans at Tennessee Titans. I don't want to pick against the Titans. Their defense, monsters. Derrick Henry, a bulldozer. If you did not see the Twitter video of him stiff arming a Bills defender, knocking him to three weeks, Ahead of time, like not just next week, three weeks. Pushed them, shoved them, muffed them, gave them the Heisman, whatever you want to call it. That dude was thrown for a couple weeks' time. Going Titans. Cincinnati Bengals at Indianapolis Colts. I am not blown away with the Colts, but they win games. Bengals really don't. Going Colts. Atlanta Falcons at Minnesota Vikings. Falcons haven't won a game. Vikings haven't looked great, but I think they can take care of Atlanta. Denver Broncos at New England Patriots. Patriots are probably a little rusty. Haven't played in a little bit because of COVID-19. Broncos aren't a great team. Probably a good game to get back on track and play some football going packs. This is the dumpster fire of the week. Washington football team, which is a dumpster fire of a name, at the New York Giants. Both teams are god-awful. I'm going to go Washington just to try to give them a win. And this might be their only opportunity because they're awful. Also got to give big props to Alex Smith. Suffered a nasty broken leg last year and is back. Back with Washington and making everybody know that he's a miracle, man. That is insane. Great for him. Hopefully he gets this W over the Giants. Washington can use it. His confidence, ego, could use that boost as well. Baltimore Ravens at Philadelphia Eagles. Ravens, they're in that tier. I don't think they're going to get beat by the Eagles. Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers. This is actually tougher than you would think. Steelers are a good team. Kind of getting close to that tier. They are really good. But Browns are shocking the world right now. They have talent though. So it's really not a crazy shock. They have talent, but they are known for just being awful whether they have a talented team or not. Browns can win games. They're putting up points and they can stop people. Miles Garrett is a monster on the line. Nobody can stop him. They have goons all over the field. I'm only picking the Steelers by an inch, to be completely honest with you. I'm going Steelers, but not by much. Chicago Bears at Carolina Panthers. I'm a Bears fan. That's where my heart lies, but this is a tough, tough week. Actually, every week with the Bears is tough. You never know what they're going to do. Never know what game they're going to show up with offensively or defense, whether they're going to be good or bad. But I gotta go Bears over the Panthers. Both mid-level teams. Don't know what you're gonna get from the Panthers really either. But I'm a Bears guy, gotta go Bears. Detroit Lions at Jacksonville Jaguars. Kind of a dumpster fire. Not as bad as Washington and the Giants. Gonna go Lions just because Matt Stafford. I still love him as a quarterback. Wouldn't want him on my team, but he's fun to watch. He makes things happen. Jaguars do have James Robinson, Rockford Lutheran grad, Illinois representative. But that's one man, a running back. I'm going to go Lions. It's tough, though. That's a tough one. New York Jets at Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, I think, are going to crush them. I think that's going to be the blowout game of the week. Green Bay Packers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't know what to expect from Tampa Bay, either. Tom Brady not looking like the GOAT, even though he is the GOAT. The Packers are a solid team. Pretty solid. Really solid. But they are going through some injuries. See what happens there. Going Packers. Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. After what I saw from the 49ers against Miami, I have to go to the Rams. Rams are playing well. 49ers dropped an egg. And I mean, I want them to not drop another one, but I think the Rams got this one. Monday night football has two games this week Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. I'm going Chiefs. Both of them coming off big losses. Chiefs got knocked off by the Raiders. Bills got knocked off by the Titans. But Bills and Titans were both undefeated at that point. Titans just out them quite considerably. But I'm going to go Chiefs. I think they have more talent, better offensive weapons. That D does have to step up, though. No doubt about that. And then the last game of the week, Arizona Cardinals at Dallas Cowboys. This is a crap shoot as well. Cardinals lost a couple defensive players that were studs. Dallas Cowboys lost Dak Prescott to a nasty leg injury. Hopefully he can come back on the football field. It did not look good though. They bring in Andy Dalton who played for the Bengals for quite a few years, was released from the team. Dallas picked him up as a backup. He's got starting experience, not a bad quarterback. They have weapons all over the field. I'm gonna put that in factor and pick the Cowboys. See how that goes. If you make picks and want to share them, feel free to send them in. You can send them by email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on social media, edgeofyourseatpodcast on Facebook or edgeofyourseatp on Twitter. The MLB postseason is heating up. I mean, it's been fun to watch the entire time. But now we're getting to the nitty-gritty Final Four teams, and they're making it Final Four. Like, this is the Final Four, and you got to play to win. No sweeps, no five game series, it's play big or go home. And that's what you love in October baseball. Game six of the National League Championship Series is today, Saturday, October 17th at 3.38 p.m. Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers. The Braves have a 3-2 lead right now. They were up 2-0. Dodgers have battled back. I turned on Wednesday's game Braves are up 2-0 in the series. I'm like, man, is this gonna be another choke fast from the Dodgers? Are they not even gonna attempt to be in the series? Are they even in the postseason? Are they really here? Are these ghosts on the field? I turn on the game, third inning, they're up 15-0. End up taking the game 15-3. Believe they lost the next one, then won game five. So we got game six today. Max Fried is on the mound for Atlanta and Walker Buehler will be on the mound for the Dodgers. Should be a great game. I mean all of the games have been great. If I haven't been able to catch them, I've been following them on my phone. I've been watching highlights, replays, and it's a great time to be a sports fan and watch great baseball. Game 7 of the American League Championship Series is tonight at 7:37. It's tied, 3-3. Houston Astros Tampa Bay Rays. I've been saying this the whole time. Houston does not deserve to be in the postseason. They don't. They shouldn't be here. They're cheaters. They don't deserve to be in the postseason at all. More or less an American League Championship Series. That's all I'm going to say. I've said it every podcast during the postseason. I wanted the White Sox to beat them. I wanted the A's to beat them. Now I want Tampa to beat them. Please, don't let the cheaters get back into the World Series a year after they had one taken away because they cheated. Makes no sense. Should not even be playing right now. Lance McCullers will be pitching for the Astros and Charlie Morton for the Rays. I thought the Atlanta Braves and Los Angeles Dodgers were the series to watch. And even though there's been blowouts and not close games, it's been very interesting storylines, watching what happens during the games. It is kind of lived up to what I wanted it to. Do I want it to go to a game seven? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I want it to be decided, win or go home. I'm glad there is a game seven in the American League, but again, Houston should have never even been there. Hopefully Tampa gets that W. Hopefully you're getting your personal Ws, your own achievements. In terms of physical fitness, since 2015, LP CrossFit has been offering something unique to the Illinois Valley, a customized way to get in shape while having fun. Whether you're new to exercise or an experienced athlete, LP CrossFit is the right place for you. LP CrossFit is a diverse community with a culture focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. LP CrossFit will help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life. LP CrossFit offers a weekly schedule of classes for every fitness fan. Whether you want to dial up the intensity or take a more relaxed approach, LP CrossFit's trained coaches tailor each and every workout for every athlete in every class. CrossFit classes are programmed with a mixture of bodyweight, gymnastic, barbell, and other movements to build strength and endurance. All small group classes are coach-led, and all movements are infinitely scalable so they can work with any fitness level, injury, or mobility restriction. Check out LP CrossFit. On Facebook, online at lpcrossfit.com, or in person in the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails, you'll never have so much fun while getting so fit. Only one thing left on my list to talk about, and of course, it is the NBA Finals. The Los Angeles Lakers won it almost a week ago on Sunday. Had a breakdown. High school playoff golf, playoff tennis swimming and cross country are coming to an end soon as they wrapped up regular season play this week and will be advancing to postseason play this upcoming week. Had to break that down, but don't think that I was not paying attention to LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers winning a ring. And I guess I could say another for both of them. Los Angeles winning their 17th, LeBron winning his fourth, and he also won his fourth NBA Finals MVP award. I honestly thought that the Lakers were gonna sweep the Heat after game one. It just looked like they outmatched the Heat and the Heat couldn't play with them. I was wrong. Jimmy Butler is a stud. I already knew that. I wasn't second guessing his studliness at all. Just didn't think that they had enough without Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic. They were hurt for game two and three Bam came back and looked like a shell of himself. It just wasn't that same team that we were rooting for throughout the whole playoffs after they beat the Bucs. I mean, when they beat the Bucs, it was like, oh, wow, this team is for real. And they are. They are a for-real team. I am very, very excited about what's next for the Heat if they stay constructed the way they are. I have seen trade rumors for Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler. Don't send Jimmy Butler to Washington. That's like NBA Exile. Leave it how it is. Put more role players around Jimmy Butler. He's your guy. He is a top five or six player in the NBA. Probably top five if you're looking at it right now at this very moment. It always changes from game to game or week to week. You know, people do different things. And there is a core nucleus of NBA talent that can all be interchanged in the top five or 10. It's true. There are some really, really talented basketball players in the NBA. But don't get rid of Jimmy. The Bulls are kicking themselves in the butt every second. Sixers, maybe that could be why people are getting fired, why moves are being made. He stays there. Maybe they finish better than they did. He's a winner. You want a winner on your team. And he's got the attributes physically, emotionally, mentally. He's a gamer. That's what he does. Keep him. You gotta keep Jimmy Butler if you're Miami. So Miami didn't want the sweep happen. Won two games, fell in six. There is nothing for the Heat or Jimmy Butler to be ashamed of. Congrats to LeBron. Obviously, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, you see the mass post memes about LeBron, Michael Jordan, who's the GOAT, greatest of all time. You could go either way, and you would have strong arguments for your opinion. Accomplishments, rings, Of course, Jordan's got six. Yes, that's always going to stick up there over four, no doubt. But things LeBron has done, there's some that are better than Jordan. He's a better physical athlete than Jordan. Taller, bigger, maybe faster, I don't know. Don't get me wrong, I'm always a Jordan guy. Always a Jordan guy. But I see what people are saying when they say LeBron. I get it. Like I said, he's a bigger physical threat. But in my mind, Michael Jordan was the better basketball player, better IQ, that gut killer instinct. LeBron doesn't have that. Jordan does. LeBron does argue with refs every single second. Somebody barely touches him or doesn't touch him at all, he thinks it's a foul. Jordan wasn't as bad, but there are times when he's putting his shoulders up, his hands up at the refs like, hey, what are you doing, when they probably didn't need to do anything. At the level of LeBron, no way, but he did do it. So we can't say, oh, he never argued with refs. That's not true. And he, in a way, tried to build teams like LeBron tried to build teams, just not super teams because Jordan wanted to be the alpha. He was top dog. Everybody else was under him. He did have a 1A in Scotty. and he knew that, but he didn't want any Chris Boshes and Dwayne Wade's and Kevin Love's. And other players that thought they were awesome, Kyrie Irving. Other players that were on the top tier or wanted to be alphas. I don't think Love or Bosh are really alphas. And they did scale their game back with LeBron and with a Dwayne Wade or Kyrie Irving Four teams would be successful. So take those two players out of the equation. But Jordan would have never saddled up with a Dwayne Wade was averaging, I think, 26 points or 27 points the first season that they were together. Would never wanted to saddle up with a Kyrie Irving. Like, it's my ball, not your ball. That big three that you shot to win a championship, either I would have shot it or I'm giving you an assist because my name would have been on it. That was Michael Jordan, that was him. He was sorta kinda greedy. Outside of basketball, people think he's kinda arrogant and pompous and things like that. Who cares? On the court, he won games. But that's how he was. He wanted to be the winning factor, the dominant guy. LeBron is not that way at all. Not at all. Not at all. Although Jordan did dish out to John Paxton, did dish out to Steve Kerr, but he was the guy doing it. LeBron is okay giving the ball to somebody else to do it. Not saying he doesn't have assists. He is a great passer, ball handler. And I'm sure we have all heard everything that I'm saying before. But that is how I feel. LeBron is awesome, amazing player. But he's not Michael Jordan in my book. But if you say other things that say how you feel LeBron is the GOAT and Jordan isn't, I'm not really going to get mad or even argue with you. I'm just going to be like, okay, to each their own. That's your opinion. This is mine. And it's also an age thing, a generation thing. I was born in 85, watched basketball all through the 90s, Jordan era. LeBron comes into the league in 2003. Seniors in high school right now were born in 2002. LeBron James has been their entire NBA career of a fandom, of life. It's been LeBron James, just like Michael Jordan was mine and people my age. Or a little bit younger, a little bit older. LeBron's 17 seasons. If you're 18, he was in the league a year after you were born. If you're 17, 16, 15, 14, so on and so on, He has been in the NBA your entire life. Yes, that is going to form an opinion that he is the best because he is what you know. Just like, in my mind, I can't say Oscar Robertson or Magic Johnson or Jerry West or any of those players before Michael Jordan's time are better than Michael Jordan because I didn't watch them. I didn't see them like I saw Michael Jordan. All kinds of intangibles. Think about it how you want to think about it. I go Michael Jordan. If you go LeBron James, cool. But I know you see everything everywhere about LeBron Jordan GOAT argument. I'm going Jordan all day. But congrats to the Lakers, especially in the wake of Kobe Bryant tragic death in January. I don't think the NBA is rigged. I have said a few times that it only makes sense for it to happen this way. Kobe's death, Lakers win, LeBron's Kinda of, sorta of pass the torch and now he's probably gonna pass it to Anthony Davis. Wasn't trying to make it sound like it was scripted, but it is movie-like. This could be a script from a movie. If there isn't a movie based off this, done within the next couple years, or the next year, I would be very, very surprised. Well, I think that's enough. It's a Saturday, we got plenty of weekend left. Enjoy it, have fun, be safe, if you have family members, friends, classmates, kids, grandkids in the girls' tennis sectional going on right now, cheer them on, congratulate them, whether they win, lose, that's what we got to do as loved ones and friends and family and all of that other greatness that we want in our life. We'll be back tomorrow with Karsh Kowalchik for episode 122. But this is the end of 121. I'm your host, Brandon LaShance. Let's get to Ian Roach. Four And peace! It is always a pleasure to have returned guests on Edge of Your Sea Podcast, but this one might be like the grandest at this point. So we are 120 shows in, and we're talking to the very, 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 very first one-on-one guest that we had at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Ian Roach, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. It's a pleasure to be here. So yeah, you were on episode two, and episode one was kind of like, a, I guess, a try to see what we could do here. Didn't really work out. It was at a game and didn't really have a guest. So you were the first official guest of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, now back for your second time.
1: Yep. It's always nice to be here, Brandon. I appreciate you inviting me back on. Oh yeah, definitely. I had to
0: after I had seen and then seen the scores of the NJCAA Division 2 Region 4 Men's Golf Regional as, you know, you shot a 229, IVCC finishes with a 973. That means you're the regional champ and IVCC finished second to go to the national tournament in May. That's a lot oh. to talk about and a lot of awesomeness. So congratulations, Ian. Yes, thank you very much. It was a tough, it was a very
1: tough venue and a very tough course for how windy it was and everything.
0: Where were you guys
1: playing? Uh, Prairie View in Byron. I have been there, I have never
0: played. What are some of the things that make it a tough course without talking
1: about the wind? They made the course extremely tough just because of how, like, it was windy, but that was why it was really firm it was really fast. They cut the greens and they, they didn't really, like, water the greens, so the greens were a different color. They were brown. So, it with like a wedge from, like, what, 95 yards. If you sh- shot it straight up in the air and still landed it, like it would have landed soft on any other course, it would have still rolled out, you know, 30 feet. And imagine doing that, when you know, downwind or something around there. And then the greens are already super undulating, which which means, like, they're sloping and there's high points and there's low points that eat down to different places or... You would put something uphill and there'd be a downhill right after the flag. It was just, it was a very tough test for how, you know, difficult the course was without those tough conditions around the greens. And including that, it was just insane. It sounds difficult. Yeah. I mean, the fairways were pretty, they weren't weren't bad on some fairways. I mean, number 16 was really the only super tight fairway. And I managed to hit that both times. So it, it wasn't something that was, you know, super duper difficult off the tee but it was still a challenge on that part as well with the wind we are speaking october
0: 11th it's sunday this regional was thursday and friday what were some of the things you know knowing these conditions or finding out these conditions in the first couple holes what were some things you did as a golfer to you know adapt and make those changes to take the regional
1: well, for me, I knew that placing in the fairway was the most important part of playing in the wind, for sure. Especially on Prairie View. If you miss the fairway at Prairie View, you know, not as much as other courses like Deer Run or Dubstrad that we played earlier in the year. But because of those venues, I knew what I needed, you know, I knew what I needed to do to get those scores to be, you know, you know what I needed. So I put it in the fairway, hit it on the green 2 putt. That's all my coach, Sean Kennedy, told me to do usually when I focus on hitting a really good round, I never focus on, you know, just making pars, but in this tournament, it was almost like, okay, get to this hole, make a par, get out of here. If you get on a par five, okay, try and make birdie. It's still really difficult under the wind, you know, just a bunch of pars, because I knew if I was going to shoot even par, I was going to win by a lot of strokes. And, you know, obviously I didn't do that, but I, I made the most pars and a couple birdies to save. So that's, that's really what changed it other than that just kind of keeping the ball lower flighted making sure I'm in the fairway was the most important part of it though so in
0: golf which I think is the most mental game of all games you kind of told yourself like hey this isn't going to be my best score this isn't going to be the best I can do at this course but I need to do this to advance
1: right really that's yeah that's exactly what I needed to do it's just hit it in the fairways and two putt it, even on this course you know, I could talk about how difficult this course is for a very long time. But even getting it on the green and managing to get a two-putt was difficult there. I mean, if you had a two-putt on that hole from 50 feet, 40 feet, you know, you were very successful that entire week. had a, probably about six three-putts at that tournament, which for me I thought was pretty good because I was hitting good putts. It's just sometimes the greens were so fast and so sloping that if you got it on a downhill slope from uphill, I mean, you had to move this thing a dimple if you wanted to put it 10 feet downhill. It was just insane. It, you sometimes had to make sure that you didn't have a 10-footer coming back up the hill on a 10-footer down the hill. That's why it was very important as well to keep it below the hole to make sure that you give yourself chances for good looks. Because if you're below the hole here, it's still difficult to get to below the hole because they were tucking the pins they were tucking it in the most adverse con- adverse places where there's three feet between a green and a bunker. You know, those those are, are the factors that I really made sure of when I was playing, is just to make sure I was below the hole, get it on the green, two putt, get the heck out of there.
0: So it sounds like you had played this course before. Where does it kind of rank of courses that you played at?
1: Okay, um, if, it, if it played the way that it usually plays, I would say it's probably number five on um, the hardest that I've played. We played a course earlier this year, Dubstred, and that's where they had the 2011 BMW Championship where Tiger won or something around there. And uh, that's where he shot his record 62. But that was the hardest course I've ever played for sure. So those are the references kind of that I would like to place. Preview wasn't an extremely difficult course to hit the fairways, you know, other than the wind. But... Uh, just the greens made it a really tough course for me.
0: And when was the last time that you had play there?
1: We played a preview, like, uh, let's see, the fourth or something around there, or the second, to really, like, have, like, almost a practice tournament to get ourselves ready to see the course. I shot 74 in that tournament, and the course was not nearly as hard as it was when I played there for a national qualifying. Before that, even... Probably the last time I played that course was in high school, if I was going to say, not in college. Probably senior year in high school.
0: It's kind of cool, kind of different with golf. I mean, when you say home court advantage on a basketball court, it's usually because of the fans. I mean, the basketball hoops themselves are the same diameter. They're the same height off the ground. That is all the same. Football fields, they're 100 feet, end zone to end zone. We know the, di- the diameters, the dimensions, all that other stuff. It's the fans. Golf, to me, is one of the only sports where every course is different. Every day is different because of wind or sun or glares or, you know, the greens are wet or they're dry or things like that. How big of a deal is that for you as a golfer to understand that every day is different and every course is going to be way different than the course you were at before?
1: You take that into a mental perspective, into focusing on your game in adverse conditions. Professional golfers are the best at adapting to themselves to adverse conditions. They can control the ball any way they want to, so when those factors are placed, they don't have to worry about their swing. They can just worry about the variables, and that's why they practice so much. That's why I practice so much, to understand all of those different variables. You know, I could say a couple of different advanced things uh, from the perspective of golfers that You know, you're putting into the grain, you're putting out of the grain, how deep are the bunkers, how much sand is in the bunkers, how deep is the rough, how wet are the fairways. All those things take into factor into your mental game, and they really show yourself how prepared you are for everything. Because you you don't really see some professional golfer saying, ah, it was really tough today, the fairways were kind of wet, and the wind was there, but yeah, I still shot 500 par. They know how to handle themselves in adverse conditions, which is probably the most important thing about playing professional golf consistently. Or just any kind of good golf, even college. That's what Division One, Division Two does the best, is at adapt. With
0: you saying that, does that kind of mean being able to adapt, knowing those different things have to be calculated in every swing, every position, everywhere that you're at on the golf course? Is that kind of the differential of the golfers that win regionals, the golfers that don't, and the different levels that we're talking about here.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I could go to a college golfer who plays Division One, and he could tell me any shot that he wants to hit and do it very easily. That was the reason why I, in my opinion, think Tiger Woods was the best in the game, is because any shot that he wanted to hit, he could hit it no problem and be confident. You know, he could hit a 40-yard bunker shot. He could hit it cut around trees from 270 yards and stick it on the green. You see all these crazy shots that he hit? Well, he was in very adverse conditions and came out on top. That's why he was the best. If he couldn't get out of himself, or if he couldn't get out of those positions he put himself in, I don't think he would've been as good. Um, obviously he would still been amazing, but I don't think he would've been nearly as the legend as he was now, or even when we place it onto a college-level perspective. Um, what I need to do, personally, is to make sure that any adverse condition I can handle. Wins, in my opinion, is what I have to improve my game in the most. I've heard that from Mason Kimberly, the Hall coach. He's a big help for uh, different perspectives and in a way to achieve the kind of goals that I want to achieve. And he says, if you really want to get really good, Ian, you have to be able to handle yourself in adverse conditions. There's a very distinct line from where you play in good conditions, And there's a distinct line of where you play in bad conditions. And the line is too big. It's too broad. You need to be able to shape shots, hit low shots, control your distance control, hit driver in the fairway even when there's 40 mile an hour winds. Those are the conditions that you have to play in to be the best golfer that you can be. And I've taken
0: that to heart for sure. Because I think at this point, you know, if you can swing a club and you've had success and know how to play the game, the next level would have to be the conditions. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, I would say so. We talked about your individual game. What about IVCC as a whole? I mean, a 293 takes second. That's amazing. Guys advancing to the national championship tournament. What was it about that day that was clicking for IVCC?
1: In my opinion, it was the first start of our nine holes for the day. Uh, reason being Ben, our number three on the team, Ben Sear, played with him in the high school. He had a really bad day after his seventy four. He went seventy four and I think he shot forty five on the front nine. And our four and five both shot forty ones, you know, on that back nine. So that was huge to make sure that those scores stayed in. That could have been the difference between a four score, four stroke swing and a swing where we didn't make it to nationals. So that was a huge huge thing. We really relied on our teammate Nick Mariotti and Trent Deveni to get in with a decent score, and they both shot 43s, which I'm very proud of, because I shot 42 on the front nine. It was that difficult, you know? Coach Sean was with them the entire time. He made sure that they made the right decisions. He was there for mental support, and definitely that's the reason why uh, I would say we got into nationals is because of that front nine and just making sure they kept their composure. Uh, Clay Wells as well He had a really, really, really good last 18 holes. 78 on that day was amazing just because of how difficult the course it was. I was very happy with 79. I thought I played pretty well, and those wins were just so difficult. The ball was shaking on the greens for a reference. So literally what was clicking is they knew what to do. I was making sure on the bus. I was telling everybody, pars are your friend. Greens and fairways, every single hole, that's what you got to do. If you can't do it, okay, at least try and get on the green and no double bogey. We want a bogey or a par or even a birdie sometimes. But I, what I want is a bunch of pars. That's what I, the mindset that I put in everybody's mind. You know, they feel like, okay, I'm seven over par. i got to make a couple birdies. And then they go for something that's really stupid, and they end up making a double bogey instead of a birdie or a par. So I made sure we, play, we were actually playing more conservative and winning because everybody else was trying to think the same thing. Gabe from Blackhawk, shot a 92, because he was probably going for things, and he was probably having the mindset of, wow, I'm doing really crappy, you know, I'm going to go and and try and make a couple birdies so my coach doesn't make me run miles after the damn beat. So it was just that conservative mindset, in my opinion, is why IVCC is going to Nationals.
0: Good stuff. So kind of as a team, you were thinking, all right, we don't need to take those risks. We don't need to over try or overthink things, let's just play our games, be simple, be smart, and these are the conditions we're working with. Is that kind of how it went? Absolutely.
1: Uh, that's the reason I think in my opinion that I won the regional qualifying because I wasn't going for anything. I wasn't saying, okay, I'm 250 yards out. I got to go for it, but there's wind in my face and there's bunkers in front of the green. Like I just laid up, got on a green, tried to make a birdie. If I didn't make a birdie, I made a pause yeah you know, that's that's the way that I had to play, and that's why I was making sure, okay, if I don't make mistakes, you know, people are gonna make mistakes. I was making sure that I didn't make any two. So that's the basis of what I was trying to accomplish in the championship. Was there anything looking back that
0: you did think was a mistake and you were like, oh man, hopefully that doesn't hurt me.
1: There's a couple times where I had three putts that I really thought, okay. I could have definitely not coming out of there with a bogey instead of uh, like a birdie or something like that. You know, I had a couple of holes where I put it ten feet, twelve feet past the hole where I made a bogey instead of a good par. There's probably about six strokes I could have taken off my game just in putting. Uh, other than that, I had some really, really good shots. I didn't. Really, I wasn't really too mad at myself with my long game. I only had one shot in the water for the whole round. For the whole tournament, actually, only one shot in the water, and that was definitely something that I saw as an advantage because I knew everybody else was going to hit it somewhere out of bounds or, you know, in the water or in a bunker they couldn't get it out of. So just eliminating mistakes. What, what was another thing that I did? Uh, I, the driver really really worked well. A couple iron shots. Uh, there was an iron shot in the first round of the tournament where I bladed it over into the, into the fescue and hit a double bogey. I had three double bogeys the first day, but to counter that, I had five birdies and an eagle. So that was the reason why I think as well that I came out on top and didn't, you know, choke.
0: Well, I'm glad he didn't choke, Ian. That's good. Yeah, I'm very glad too. <laughs> I got
1: the hell out there after I got that plaque. <laughs> You're like, I'm leaving. Thank you for this one. I'm out of here. I'm out of here, yeah, exactly. I've had too many second places this year, Brandon. I don't think you realize if i I would have I would have been very hurt. I would have I think I've had five second places this year By just a couple strokes where
0: you were right there in contention.
1: Oh One back one back every single time one stroke was the difference between me getting first and me getting second
0: So this time you're like hey, I Gotta adapt and this is happening. This is mine. I won. I'm taking
1: it. I'm gone Yes, exactly. I didn't want to lose a stroke or two, I made sure I focused on my competitor more than anything instead of my score because I knew that Peyton Perez, the, the dude from Blackhawk I was going against, he got second. We were neck and neck the whole damn day. I was just like, okay, don't make a mistake. If he makes a mistake, great. If I don't make a mistake, I'm still close by. You know, because there was at one point I think he was one ahead of me because he made a really good birdie putt on a hole and I made a bad bogey. So the, the switches flipped. And then I made a really good birdie, and he made a bogey. It was back and forth every single hole. And so we got to the last three holes of the tournament, and I'm neck and neck with him. And I go, okay, what I need to do is hit drives in the fairways and on the green. I know if I do that and he comes out on top, I won't be too mad, but he made the mistake, and I made sure I didn't. I hit it down the fairway. I hit it on the green at 10 feet, almost made a birdie. I got out of there with a par, he got out of there with a bogey. Next hole, get it on the green, made a two-putt, he hit it in the fescue, and eventually made a double bogey. And then the last hole, I made a birdie, he made a birdie. So I made sure that I was going to play down the stretch perfectly. I wasn't going to make any mistakes. So that's definitely the reason why I didn't choke. I'm very, very glad I got out of that.
0: So you two were in the same foursome?
1: Yeah, Yeah, we were.
0: Did that help you having that type of competition right next to you? I mean, you guys finished first and second. Did it help you having him right there seeing what he was doing, knowing what you had to do and instead of him being on a foursome somewhere else where it wasn't really right in your face knowing what
1: was going on? Yeah, I'm really anxious when it comes to not no live scoreboards and it's a great thing when I played summer tournaments, they would give you a phone Everybody would put in their phone uh, their scores live. I knew where I was. I knew what I had to do. I knew what birdies I had to make. In these college tournaments, I have no idea what's going on, and neither does my coach. Like Nobody knows until the end, which is why I was so anxious. Even after shooting that 229 on the leaderboard, I was checking. I was making sure. I think it helped him personally in my group, too. It helped both of us play better because he knew how well I was playing. We were in the final group, with everybody who was six over, though, so, you know, we would have been placed in that group anyways. So there was four people who were all in the same score, and I knew, okay, I just have to beat everybody in the group, and then I'll win. You know, that's that's the mindset I had, so I just made sure I stayed at six over or I stayed really close to six over. Obviously, I didn't, but I still managed to beat everybody in the group, so that's definitely, it helped probably both of us, especially me in that group, So because I knew where I was standing, so yeah.
0: Awesome man, awesome! I already told you congratulations, but I'm gonna tell you again. Congratulations, my
1: friend. I appreciate it, Brendan. It means a lot. When
0: we were talking about IVCC, you mentioned your teammates Ben Seer, Clay Wells, Nick Moriarty, Trent Deviney. You know Trent from Beryl Valley, Clay and Nick from Fieldcrest. You played with Ben at Putnam County. How is the? like camaraderie, the gel of the group, being from different high schools. You know, Clay is the only sophomore. The rest of you guys are freshmen. So being on the same team with people that you've been playing against forever. Yeah,
1: for me, it was more of a we were comfortable in, in the bus. We were comfortable with each other. We knew we could be honest with each other. You know, I was always telling Nick that, you know, yes, you are our number four. It may not seem like we rely on you. A whole bunch but you're actually the anchor of our team because if he doesn't shoot well most of the time you know we can't win or play second i really uh, we really owe it to nick mariotti for, for shooting that 84 on the second 18 holes of the tournament and definitely that's why we're we're in nationals right now i'm not crediting anybody else but i'm saying that is the reason why we've got it international that, it, it's just i really think that reason why we're close to each other. We can be honest with each other is the reason why as well. I, I gave blessings to the team. You know, I knew them personally. I was comfortable telling them their weaknesses and their strengths and how good I would expect them to do. It just, it really did help for a mindset perspective, knowing everybody.
0: Awesome, awesome. Before we move on from the regional, talk a little bit about the national tournament and the excitement level. You had just said, you know, the... Back 18, you said the front nine a few times. 54 holes of golf in the regional throughout the two days, so I'm guessing 27 each day. That's a lot of golf, man.
1: Yes. It was a very good test for me because on the second 18 holes, or the the second day of the tournament, when I was after that first 18 holes, I was going 45 holes to the tournament by then. I was beat. I was out. I was ready to be done. I was... I was done with the tournament, and so I, I basically just told myself, okay, Ian, you got nine holes between winning. You got nine holes between losing. You want to make sure you make it to Nationals, but more than anything, you want to finish your season off with a bang. So I made sure I stayed diligent. I've, I've played 27 holes every day of the summer, but because of those wins and because of the hills, it was more difficult. But I knew that I was used to it. I could, I could play 27 holes and not be... You know, out of breath or out of any stamina. You know, I was I could focus on my mental game as well as my golf game because I did it the whole summer. There was days in the summer I played fifty-four holes in one day, walking. That was the way that I did everything. I trained my body to to adapt. I've walked I've walked twenty-five miles in one day while golfing. I mean, that's that's something that I've done before at Edgewood and at uh, Seneca. So it wasn't something super super off of my endurance capacity, but it was still difficult, I
0: will say that. So that's how you stay so skinny, is you just walk 25 miles on a golf
1: course. Yeah, you'd be surprised too how much I ate afterwards at Culver's after the the kind of victory meal that I had. I I had three double butter burgers with a side of large french fries and a a large drink because I was just super, super happy. So I made sure I put a bunch of food in my belly. Three double burgers? Three double butter burgers at, at Culver's.
0: Man, I don't think I could eat that, like, on my hungriest day. Uh,
1: <laughs> the thing is, too, that I, I'm not ashamed of. I still had room.
0: <laughs> you went home, had some ice cream, a piece of cake, bowl of cereal. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Going to the national tournament, it's in May. I know you and the rest of the Eagles have to be very pumped up and excited.
1: Yes, very much so. We were so proud of each other on the bus. You know, Ben probably was the most excited. He was really anxious at the table waiting for the results. I mean, there was a difference between 16 strokes between third and our team. But still, we almost won the damn thing with three strokes. You know, it was just... We were very anxious because that was our goal. That's all we wanted. Yeah, it would have been nice to win, but we were still very, very pumped. We we probably know going into nationals that we're not going to win as a team unless we really just, you know, get things going and everybody's making cars and getting in the 70s. But, yeah, uh, we're, we're still very, very pumped. I'm very pumped to play Swan Lake.
0: Where is Swan Lake at?
1: Indiana. I couldn't tell you the exact spot in Indiana, but I do know it's in Indiana. Have you been there before? I have not, but I have seen the course on a course course view and a course scorecard from what Trent got right after the uh, regional championship. Okay,
0: perfect. So a little research, gonna try to do some more.
1: Yeah, I would hope that we play a couple practice rounds there in the spring season. Just to get adapted to it, I I know that COVID will probably be over by the time we have our spring season, so I'm hopefully we can stay overnight at a hotel and play a couple rounds and get used to the course. That's just really what I want to do. I, I want to see how difficult it is because I've seen on the the scoreboard for Division Two last year, four under par one as an individual on that course. I this is in the summer as well. This isn't even in the fall, so. I'm thinking four under par is very
0: doable there. Is the national tournament also 54 holes? I think it's 72. Oh, so we're going up 18. Yeah, we're going four rounds. So now are you going to try to walk 35 miles on a golf course while you're getting ready for this? Uh,
1: (laughs) I don't know if my feet can handle that. When I came home from that day, my feet were were bleeding because of
0: my calluses. You might have to have your own personal trainer to come along with you while you're practicing for this.
1: Yeah, I might need a masseuse afterwards because my calluses are very... They're a thing of wonder, but I'm very proud of my calluses. But, man, did they hurt afterwards.
0: Wow, 72 holes of golf. That might be more than I've ever played in my entire life altogether. And I'm 35 years old. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 72. I've never played a 72-hole tournament, and it's what I wanted to add on being proud of myself and playing a 54 hole tournament and winning. I've never won a 54 hole tournament before especially at a college level so I'm also proud of that for myself as well. I'm very curious to see how well I do on a 72 hole tournament You know, given that I have a couple months in Florida to go doing homework because thankful to COVID actually this is the one thing that's good came out of COVID I can go to Florida and play golf in Florida and do homework in Illinois which is the best thing that's ever happened to me, pretty much. I can go to Florida, play golf, work, do homework, and still be prepared for the spring season by then. So I'm very excited for that as
0: well. Yeah, because with e-learning or Zoom videos or whatever, whatever the process is, you don't have to be in Illinois to do that. You can be wherever you want to. So really, yeah, you can take your schooling anywhere and do whatever you want to.
1: That's the best thing about COVID that's happened. Now there is one thing about online learning that I'm a very I'm very adamant about is that's very difficult is because you have to teach yourself. So I'm good at learning things myself, but this has been especially difficult. All of the the math that I don't know, and you know writing essays. That's really the most important thing about you know college is, is those parts, and those are the parts that I struggle with. So I got to make sure that I'm very diligent in Florida with my schoolwork
0: so I can go to national. Well, if you need any help writing essays, man, just hit me up. Yeah, I got you, Brandon. Thanks. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. You know, last time we talked to you on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, I think you had just wrapped up your high school career with Putnam County. Haven't talked to you since then. What has been some of the main differences besides golfing 72 holes or 54 holes instead of 18? But what has been some of the main differences for you from high school to junior college of golf?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you. College tournaments sometimes feel like high school tournaments in a way because um, in this division, you're not seeing many players who are scoring really under par, or they're not, you know, a contender. Sometimes, you know, in my perspective, i I've, I've been top three every single tournament that I've played in, except for one that I got fifth in. Um, because of the, the competition that are in here. And that's similar to what I had in high school. Usually it was, okay, if I play in this tournament and I play well, I'm going to get top five or I'm going to win, somewhere around there. So the really the tournaments that were that showed me, okay, you're in college now, is the one at Dubstred, and the one in um, Aldean is the one that was really sticking out. That's the one that I think Sean Kennedy also helped us realize our skill level because we played Aldine from the blacks in the same kind of wind conditions as pra- Prairie View, which was fantastic for our for our, um, our mindset. But Dubstred, I played really well there, and I shot probably 23 over par for three rounds total. I mean, that was the most difficult golf course I've ever played, period. It was a test, man. It was a real test for 54 holes or 36 holes, however long that it was. I think it was probably 54 holes. But just, that was showing me, okay, you're in college, and there was a person who went out and shot 200 par for the whole tournament, and I was 20 strokes back of the lead there. I played pretty well. So that was the real difference between colleges. When you go to those big tournaments, there's a bunch of people who are really good, and I just want to get on that level as them to make sure, okay, that I have that kind of feel that I'm in high school again, that top five is always there.
0: So either way, you still had fun, and you're a good golfer, so it's even better.
1: Yeah, there you go. I play a really nice golf course. I'm enjoying myself. I had a hot dog after. How many hot dogs? I, I
0: wasn't allowed to have as many as I wanted. <laughs> so in your head, you're like, man, I could eat like six of these, but that wasn't... A... I'd probably have about 10 of those, 11 of those hot dogs. So in stature, you are not very big, but it sounds like you have an empty pit for a stomach in the metabolism to allow you to eat whatever you want to.
1: Yes, very much so. I could probably get uh, probably about 20 pounds if I wanted to. I can't go to the bryson method because my metabolism isn't as as you know as slow as his. My metabolism is probably a, of a 10 year old who is like 90 pounds and can eat anything he wants.
0: You were those kids that I was always jealous of because I've always been a bigger dude. And not, like, obese or out of shape or nothing like that, but I was always a little bit bigger. Always jealous of the people that could eat whatever they want to, where I felt like if I had half a candy bar, I was gaining 50 pounds.
1: Yeah, definitely something that's helped me a lot with my, um... I don't know if I I was a golfer or not, that I'd be the weight that I'm at because of my activities and my my exercise that I do all the time to keep myself, uh, my strength up and keep my endurance up so it was it's mostly to actually sustain my weight it's not even really to you know put on weight it's actually to keep my weight i gained probably about 10 pounds over the winter and i ate so much i like gorged myself so that i could gain that weight and the second that i started golfing and walking again i lost all the weight and i'm back at 145. i thought i made progress but i think i just gained a little bit of muscle and a fat it's a little bit of fat and I lost all the fat already. So, you know, I'm still really fit. I'm probably about 5% body fat, but eating that much is to to sustain things, not so much as get bigger. That's insane. I very much have to agree with that, it's insane. I just can't put on weight. I wanna do the Bryson method and gain 20 pounds of muscle and just beat 165 pounds. I cannot do that, it seems, if my metabolism doesn't slow down. I know a lot
0: of people that would love to have your problem. (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh that's crazy I was probably 145 in like 5th grade
1: oh my goodness Uh, I wish I wish I could be 165 though Brandon I'm just saying 145 as a kid I don't know if you were as tall as me in 5th grade though that's the that's the perspective
0: how tall were you in 5th grade
1: I was probably like let's see I was 410 in freshman year of high school I was probably like four foot two or something like that. I remember that. I actually
0: covered you as a freshman. And I remember, like, man, that dude's kind of small. And I think I've had this conversation with you before.
1: Yes. I thank God I grew. And my dad said, he joked all the time. He says, we thought you were going to be a jockey when you grow up. Like, you know, I was going to ride horses because I'm too small to do anything else.
0: <laughs> Honestly. Seeing you your freshman year, I probably would have agreed with them. Yeah,
1: yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you. I would not blame you. So how tall are you now? I'm five for ten.
0: So you had a, a spurt. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, very big spurt. Sophomore, junior year, kind of. I went from four ten to about five five my sophomore year, and then I grew to 5'7", junior year, and now I'm five ten.
0: That's awesome. Good stuff, good stuff. So
1: you're just a healthy kid? Yeah, I'm glad I'm a healthy kid who's at least a decent height. I'm just above average. Or at average, I don't know.
0: Have you ever went to Walmart and just, like, towered over everybody and realizing that you're only, like, 5'10", 5'11"? I have
1: not had that experience, Brennan, honestly. The only time I've ever had that experience is when, you know, I'm hovering around... Like children like I'm I'm in the aisle and there's children around me I'm like okay there's there's children here that was the only time I've ever oh my group of friends are all girls pretty much and there's one friend who's a guy. and he's only a little bit taller than me but whenever they're around me I'm always towering over them because they're always like they're like five three five four all the time that's the only time I actually feel like a big man is when I'm hovering over girls
0: that's hilarious I say I'm six foot. I'm probably more legit like 5'11 and a half, 5'11 and three quarters. But I round up. (laughs) Brandon, nobody will know. So I round up. I say I'm six foot. And almost every time I go to Walmart, like you're standing in line or looking around, and I feel like I'm a giant. But if I'm around my friends, like my best friend is 6'7. My other group of friends are like, 6'4", six, 6'3", six, I am probably like second or third shortest out of my group of like 10 close friends. But if I go anywhere yeah. else, I feel like I am a giant. Clay Wells is a 6'5", so he's definitely a big boy. I remember him from fieldcrest with the basketball team, and I went to talk to him for a preview, and I just looked up, and I'm like, hey, pal. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. All right, Ian. Are you ready for a game of hot potato? You bet. Let's do this. I'm going to give you pairs of two. You pick which one you like better. So, for example, I'll say blue or red. You pick which one you like better, okay? Gotcha. All right, so we'll start off. Just because this is edge-of-your-seat podcast and like to throw the hard-hitting questions here. Joe Biden or Donald Trump? I'm a Trump guy. I like Trump. Try to match up IVCC colors, purple or black?
1: Uh, I think I like I like purple. I like purple.
0: Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. <sighs>
1: Damn it, that's a hard one. Uh, I would say Phil because of his, his newfound personality where he like activates the calves and hits hellacious seeds. And Tiger's a funny dude too. He's a legend, but I'm going to say Phil Mickelson were talking about food
0: and said Culver's let's go Culver's or Wendy's <laughs> Culver's all the way oh my god Culver's is there anything that would be Culver's
1: okay I have to think about that because I really love boneless wings and if we ever went to Buffalo Wild Wings I'd probably eat like 50 or so wings if you wanted me to so if we had to pick between, ooh, between wings and Culver's I would probably pick Wings. But any other fast food restaurant, I'd say Culver's wins. So Culver's
0: over everything in terms of burgers, fast food? Yes, anything fast food, even Chick-fil-A. I like Culver's way better. Gotcha. I said Wendy's because I didn't know what really matches up with Culver's. Chick-fil-A may have been a better one, but either or, Culver's wins. Yes. Diving into Wings, now that you brought that up, are you a... Hot wings or like a barbecue wings? So we'll go hot wings,
1: barbecue wings. I could go either, to be honest, but I'm more of a mild buffalo kind of guy where I like a little bit of spice, but not too much. But if you gave me some barbecue wings, I'll down those. I have not eaten a bunch of hot wings, but there was only one experience where I ate hot wings. It did not go well after I ate them. I prefer wings that are not super duper spicy. So I like I like uh, the mild buffalo and barbecue, yes. So if I said barbecue or hot
0: wings, you're going in the middle? Yes, right in the middle. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And I mean, with the wings or the burgers, you gotta have something to drink. Are we going Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Root beer or Sprite?
1: Sprite, I get Sprite every restaurant I go to. Iced tea or lemonade? Uh, Iced tea if it's either unsweetened or it's an Arizona tea. Water with a lemon or without a
0: lemon? With a lemon, all the way, Brandon, all the way. And probably not with your wings or with your burgers, but just because we're talking about drinks, orange juice or apple juice? <laughs> I think, I'm going to say apple juice. <laughs> apple juice. Are you laughing because of the goofiness that I just threw out that out of nowhere?
1: No, I just thought i think like apple juice because I'm weird. I really like saying that. <laughs> just saying apple juice different? I like saying because whenever I was a kid, I used to say, um, so my mom would combine these two things, grape juice and apple juice, and I would go, grape apple, grape apple. Like I was really weird when I was a kid. I'm not saying I'm not now. I'm just saying I was a weird kid, right?
0: (laughs) I understand. So when I said apple juice, you were immediately saying grape apple? Grape apple in my head, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect, that's perfect. So you have to pick apple juice. Apple juice, yes. (laughs) That's fantastic. Ian, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully we can talk again soon. Maybe in May when you come back with some hardware from the national championship, not trying to predict the future or put any extra stress on your shoulders. I know you have the talent and can do whatever you want to golf wise, but definitely once you go to the national championship, just have fun play your game. Thank you for talking edge of your seat podcast, Dove into golf, dove into drinks and Apple, grape grapele, apple juice. And yeah. Else. <laughs> With that <ball. laughs> So thank you, man. It's always fun.
1: I appreciate it, Brandon. Have me on next time. Appreciate it.